Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Popcorn Book Club listeners. Oh my God, that's a mouthful. That's uh, PBC listeners, PBCers. We should have a nickname, but it's lame to give yourself a nickname. Colonels? Are we colonels? Oh God, that's even more embarrassing. Forget I said anything. Sorry, super caffeinated. Starting over. Hey there, Popcorn Book Club listeners. I know one thing I'm fond of saying is that this show is not English class. There is no required reading or watching for that matter. But this week, we are diving into our first piece of Bonafide, Bonafide, English Lit Required Reading, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. There's a pretty good chance you already had to read this in 11th grade, and we are reading it now because it has been adapted into a series on Peacock, the NBC streaming service. But trust me, this will absolutely not be a high school English class discussion. In terms of the sex, it is one of the books with like the most amount of sex, but also the least sexy sex. Yes. I mean, when the only sound effect is zip zip, it doesn't sound very sexy to me, in my opinion. Like they all want to, they're all horny for zippers. It feels like they're conditioned to be horny for zippers. I finally feel seen, Melissa. I mean, listen, no shade to anyone who's into zippers. Welcome back to Popcorn Book Club. I am joined, as always, by our co-hosts Jennifer Wright, Tan Tran, Melissa Hunter, and Karam Adankwa. Hello, you're all looking... Los Angeles. You're all looking quite pneumatic today. Oh, no. So gross. (laughs) Uh, That is a perfect transition (laughs) to say that we are talking about Brave New World, the, I think, 1932 book Mm -hmm. by Aldous Huxley, which has recently been adapted into a television series on Peacock, which Jennifer was just telling us is very, very different from the book. Um, they've made the television series a lot more action-packed than the book. It's bananas. I yeah. watched one episode and I was like, what is this? I'm reading this and I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'll say that the book doesn't really have, until the end, which is action-packed, but the beginning, like, the first chapter is just a slow tour through a laboratory. I hated it so much. (gasps) Okay, wait, I love the beginning of this book. It does feel very, like, network executive bait in terms of the like future dystopian world. It felt mm-hmm. very like, oh, this, the, the executives that wanted their own West world were like, what about Brave New World? It's it's 90 years old, but it's relevant right now. Uh, so that's why it makes sense <laughs> That's like actually word for word the pitch from yeah. the executive producer. <laughs> it was me. I was the executive producer. <laughs> Melissa, you've caught me. Oh my God, congrats, Karam. Thank you. This is huge. You the money. You know how I do. I missed that deadline <laughs> announcement. <laughs> I used a pseudonym. So, the question I was curious about is which of have have any of you read this book before now? Because I read this book when I was in high school. Yeah. And I, I read, barely remembered it. But I read this book in eighth grade. Um I remember not caring for it at all at the time. I liked it a lot more now, maybe because 
I'm more familiar with some of the topics that they're yeah, talking about. Yeah. And I don't think that men like orgasm by peeing into you as I was under the impression <laughs> they did when I was 13. That's not a thing you should maybe, tell people. Maybe as adults we have a more, I also you know, we have that. a more bleak worldview. Eighth grade oh, also yeah. feels yeah. very early to read this book yeah. in, in terms of the themes and like just everyone fucking each other and, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. Everyone belongs to everyone else. In terms yes. of the sex, it is one of the books with like the most amount of sex, but also the least sexy sex. <gasps> yes. It's so not sexy sex. Yeah. Just like, oh, I had six women last week. Great. I don't care. It's like oh, I've that, never that been woman. so bored by constant fucking. Well, I mean, particularly yeah. pneumatic. <laughs> but it's sex without any longing. That's what's so interesting about yeah. it. Yeah. That whether yeah. or not sex is still sexy if there are no barriers to obtaining it. I mean, when the only sound effect is zip zip, it doesn't sound very sexy to me, in my opinion. Like they all want to, they're all horny for zippers. It feels like they're conditioned to be horny for zippers. I finally feel seen, Melissa. (laughs) I mean, listen, no shade to anyone who's into zippers. Um, At the time that this was being written, though, a lot of people were transitioning over to using zippers because there had been bottoms before. And zippers were considered by, like, certain Christian groups in the 1930s to be Uh this tool of Satan that would enable licentiousness for everybody because you'd just be able to unzip your clothing. Uh, So, yeah, you wouldn't have to get laced in or button yourself in anymore. Wow. It's also very like technology. It is very amazing because like I don't know how zippers work. Zippers are amazing. <laughs> you, yeah. I feel like I do know how zippers work. <laughs> what sticks them together? The zipper. <laughs> you zip it's like two it's teeth. It's teeth. Here's my idea. question. It's could you make a zipper? No. If given plastic, no, could you construct I, no. a zipper? Could I, I know make you, anything that I understand? If you handed me a raw chicken, I don't know if I could cook the chicken. Like I mean, I could, but I don't know if it would be good. And I've been eating chicken for a very long time. Girl, in COVID so. times, you need to step up. We're all cooking <laughs> our own meals. I am cooking my own meals, just not a lot of chicken because chicken I'm scared of salmonella. I will say, reading this book and then remembering it was written in like 1931 does make it like, oh, he didn't understand what genetic engineering was, but he nailed genetic engineering. He nailed yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah. In a scary good, way. Uh, yeah. Good on you for figuring that out before he understood genetic engineering. Completely. Um, yeah. One of the things I loved about the introduction to this book, where they're talking about creating these embryos and using different mechanisms to make the embryos stronger and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been going through IVF for the past year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you end up thinking about your body in this incredibly mechanical way. Of like, Mm -hmm. all right, I can't have any hot baths this week because this is the week where such and such chemical process has to happen and therefore I can't have any baths and this is why I can't have any mercury so I can't eat any fish and this is the problem that could result if you have cheese. So um, in a way, I wish I could just have a detachable womb where Mm -hmm. they could just put all the chemicals into it Uh, because you do... Maybe it is because... um, because I'm going through IVF and because I just didn't um, have sex and then get pregnant, it has started to feel like an unbelievably mechanical process Uh, to me, uh, which is exactly the way they portray it here, mm -hmm. where, uh, yeah, it's just all chemicals and a big metal womb. (laughs) I wonder what Mm -hmm. old Ahux would feel about IVF. Was IVF around in the 60s when he died? I don't know that much about IVF. No, not until the 70s. And even in the 70s. Okay, that's not that different. I feel like everybody looked at me like, oh, the 60s. But it it didn't become like a thing. You know what I mean? Like it maybe was a thing that like labs were doing, but it didn't become like a thing that normal people were doing until like the 80s or 90s. Yeah, right. but then. he's he's yeah. clearly invested in the medical field and in science and technology. So yeah. um, he also, I don't know if you guys read uh, the same version as I do, but my version has like interviews and a biography and stuff. He wanted to be a doctor, but he was nearly blind sense. for two years. Oh, and wow. that, yeah, he just like went blind because that's a thing that happens to people. And uh, he recovered sight later, but always had sight issues. Huh. And oh. it halted his dreams of becoming a doctor, and that's how he sort of ended up studying literature. Oh, wow, that's, that's so sort of be- yeah. That's like one of those stories that I feel like only happens in the 
Victorian era. Yeah. Like, or like to Domenico. <laughs> <laughs> and then it got better. Like just random things like that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it happened in Never Have I Ever to Davy. She couldn't walk right. for a year and then she oh, could walk. Yeah. yeah. But oh, also that-, that is fictional. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mindy Kaling's exact life. Oh my God. Um, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, that does actually inform the reading of this book too because it does feel like it's all about predestination and things you can't control obviously Mm -hmm. there's a lot of themes within that but for someone who wanted to be one thing but couldn't was like physically barred from that uh it makes sense Mm -hmm. so let's i do want to ask before we get into the plot and the story of this book the major theme at the beginning is this idea that the eggs and the sperm are put together into an egg and that egg is not genetically engineered, but engineered through the scientific process that Aldous Huxley, you know, fictionalizes to predestined likes, dislikes, contentment, happiness level, which to some degree, I think kind of exists naturally. Like, this is mm-hmm. a big philosophical question, but where do you guys stand on the idea of nature versus nurture and that sort of thing? Do you think sort of the way you come out is the person you are? Well, I mean, again, um, in like the world of IVF, um, something that doctors do that I think is not especially nice to do to women is to make you feel like, uh, you know, if you have too much sugar during this pregnancy, first of all, the baby will probably die. But if it doesn't, then <laughs> it will be unhappy forever. Like that's been shown to increase the risk oh, of depression. Oh, um, I, I think... Uh, I don't know if anybody else is on um, the nightmarish fertility train yet, but if you get on it, you will be made to feel guilty for eating anything other than kale greens mm-hmm. and like maybe a little broccoli for punch for the next nine months. Jennifer, oh, yeah. eat a cupcake. Your baby will be fine and your baby Not will be Not if it's cool. going to make her dumb. <laughs> I mean, Jennifer, your baby's gonna be so smart. Your baby's I gonna be so yeah. Truly. Everyone yeah, needs to eat a cupcake so to give everybody else an advantage to catch up. Thank you. That's, my, that's very nice. You're welcome. My friend uh, is eight months pregnant, and she went to Home Depot to like pick up something, and like it was like dropped off uh, to her car, and mm-hmm. she got out, and the woman who dropped off was like, "Oh, you're." Oh, how you're your eight months? How far are you along? You you getting an epidural? Like immediately asked. <laughs> yes. Yes. Such a Within one second of seeing her, was like, oh. "Are you getting an epidural?" And she was like, "Hey, uh-huh. so what are your medical anyway, plans?" Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has an opinion on pregnant women and how babies are made. Yeah. And I think that part of that opinion is like the unknown. Also, mm-hmm. like people are just so scared and they want to control it. Yeah. But I feel like for every study that's like, don't do this, then there's another study that's like, oh, but maybe if you do this, maybe it, like, I feel like the fact that we don't have clear cut answers makes people more scared and more um, anxious to control it. I feel like if men got pregnant, we would know so much more. About- oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let, me, let me actually fix well, that. Some men, men do can, get pregnant. Yes. Yeah. yes. But yeah. if the majority of people who got pregnant were men. I feel like our research and our understanding of pregnancy mm, yes. and fertility would be completely different. Yes. Absolutely. <sighs> yeah. And when I when I think of like nature versus nurture, I always think about like how when I was just coming out, I was so obsessed with like looking at all the research of the gay gene because I was like wanting to have an answer or like a definitive sort of like scientifically backed reason as to why I was gay or like wanting to answer that but like it just it feels so now as an adult I'm like that just feels so 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 sing like just a singular mind to try to think of things so explicitly in black and white in that way that like that there can be a gene to do that or like that everything you know like all of that that there is just like a nature side of things well and it is such essentialism in a way that really um, props up white supremacist patriarchal Mm -hmm. structures of like, oh, women are biologically, cis women are biologically designed to like stay home and take care of their young or, you know, they would use that back in the day against like 
students of color who are like, well, they're just not as smart. And, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot lot of to unpack in this book about um, that. But it's it's like justifying all of that through Mm -hmm. it's just the biology of gender or race or ethnicity. Mm -hmm. It's it's all women's heads are just smaller. Smaller. Yes. Um, Less room for brain. Oh, I have a very big head. I have this wonderful quote from um, the 1840s. I've um, my next book deals with medicine in the 1840s. I was going to say you just have one of those. I was like, that's the most um, uh, darling thing I've ever. It's it's my favorite quote because I've been saying it to Daniel um, every time I forget anything. There's a doctor who measured women's heads and found that a woman's head is too small for intellect but just big enough for love. Oh, oh that's actually, that's, that's so the cutest sexism. sexism. Oh my God. The most adorable sexism. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross-stitch that onto a pillow for each and just every one of you. big enough for love. I am going to hold you to that. <laughs> a quick little side note. What is your next book? Because I am fascinated. Oh, um, well, okay. First of all, I have to sell it. Um, so I've been working on the proposal for all of quarantine. It's about Madame Rostel. She was an abortionist in the 1840s and the first female millionaire independently in America. Um, So she made a massive fortune selling birth control pills and performing abortions at a time when abortions were still legal. Uh, And then uh, the medical establishment started cracking down on them very hard in 1859, in part because Madame Ristel was just like buying a mansion in New York. How dare Um, she? She was unbelievably rich. She was a British self-taught immigrant who learned how to perform abortions, supposedly never lost a single patient. Um, got into a huge fight with uh, the Catholic Church and uh, the Archbishop was planning to build a house right across from the cathedral in New York and Madame Rostel outbid him for that lot by $100,000 and then built her mansion there where she performed abortions. And she faked her own death. She faked her own death at the end. It's awesome. It's a great story. Well, Well, just a quick question. She became a millionaire (laughs) before Madame C.J. Walker? Uh, Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Uh, C.J. Walker was like the 1870s, right? I believe so, because she was born. Yeah, C.J. Walker wasn't born until 1860. Yeah, so Madame Ristel was 1840s. This is Intriguing. a women's millionaire podcast. Now. I know. It yeah. be. Uh, well, I think, I, okay, so Sorry. going back yeah. to the idea of like science and, mm-hmm. and biology, I always, you know, the, the phrase, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of always thought that with like meddling in genetics and like genetic engineering, where it's like, I bet if you get down to like the electron level, there might be a way to understand these things. But until then, like thinking we know these certain things and like playing God is uh, a, a nightmarish eventually. I'm sorry, like, what is God? Gonna... I think you mean Ford? <laughs> yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> playing Ford, of oh, course. Um, it is nightmarish. You can pick your baby's eye color now. What? Uh, which was so fascinating oh to me. God. But only out of the eye colors only, that you have, only out, right? they can, If you... If you want Yellow. to pay an ex, if you want to pay an extra ten thousand dollars because you really care, they can test the embryos that you have and they can tell them all of the eye colors. So if you like really want a blue-eyed baby, you can pick the one that has blue eyes. If one, but of again, those only only up. if you, Jennifer and Daniel, uh, exactly. already had yes. recessive blue genes. Um, and yeah, I like, know I'm that, not getting a blue-eyed baby. Right. Me neither. I know that because I immediately said, "Okay, I'll pay the extra ten thousand dollars. I want violet eyes, like Elizabeth Taylor violet. That's what I'm going for." And uh, it was explained to me that that is not an option. Aww. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. Uh, Jurassic Park, like yeah. just because yeah. they thought that whether they could, they didn't think whether they should. Well, look, yes. I mean, it immediately. Okay, if they can do that, um, I think when they told me they could do that, I immediately said, "So, like, theoretically, can you tell me which one will be tall? If if we have a boy, like, is there going to be one that's six four? Um, and uh, they explained to me that it was uh, both illegal and entirely unethical to do that. But my question is, why is eye color ethical, yeah. but height isn't? And so I that's don't know. what's sort I of don't scary. Know. Well, I mean, look, I'm, as soon as that's possible, 
don't we think unethical people will pay extra for it? Yeah. Like there are certain jobs and places. Yeah. I'll pay Um, for a kid that can wear bangs. (laughs) (laughs) This is Popcorn Book Club. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that is guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Ooh, like a recent episode with Melissa Joan Hart. LL Cool J gave me some great advice. He had all these gold chains and I was like, wow, look at all these diamonds. And he said something to the effect of, don't waste your money on something like this. Buy a house. Like he gave me like solid investment advice where I was like, save my money. Got it. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back with Popcorn Book Club. All right, but let's get into the plot. (laughs) So, yes, Karama, you want to take the first the first act of the plot? Sure. Introduce us to the cast of characters. Great. Uh, First of all, this book really has no protagonists. A thing that pissed me (laughs) off. Everyone is bad. (laughs) No, No, but like Lenita's crying hard. But she she's less of a protagonist and more just a flat female character. Any resolution that pissed me off a lot. I literally no one is the main character in this book. So we enter in a factory tour, as was previously established, and that's sort of how we get the world that we're in. We understand that uh, things have changed. We are using a different time system. It's the year after Ford. It's like six hundred something after Ford. And the Ford seems to be Henry Ford of Model T Ford fame and of Built Ford Tough fame. Um, and these babies are indeed Built Ford Tough. They it, uh, <laughs> Ford is also the inventor of the modern assembly line, which... Seems- yes, correct. Um, which is how they make the babies. They are Built Ford Tough. And... Um, <laughs> They have these different classifications or casts, and they, uh, which is a fun, fun entry into the deep world of racism that exists in this book. Uh, So they have these different casts, and they create different casts in these bottles. And you find out that there is this method that they use to bud these embryos so that they create dozens and dozens of twins. And page nine is when we get our first real sort of very racist explanation of this birth thing where it's like, oh, 
well, we are able to create this many, but in Mombasa, which uh, is in Kenya, for those of you who don't know, uh, in Mombasa, they're able to make so many more. But (laughs) have you seen a Negro egg? And I was just like, oh, okay, this is where we're at. And I'm glad that it came up on the ninth page. But also I'm terrified that it came up on the ninth page. So and we then learn you're like, little... does it keep coming? And you're like, yes, it yeah. keeps <laughs> that was my first. Yeah. That was my first yikes that I highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for all of the yikes. I texted my friend and I was like, I feel like if you are a person of color and you read a book that gets weird racially, you should be able to stop at the first point that it gets weird and then say to everyone, yes, I did read that book. Like, yeah. I feel like I could have read nine pages and then told everyone I read the book. Mm-hmm. I, I also want to remind fair. everyone that that Ford was the type of guy who had a newspaper called the Dearborn Independent, and there was oh, a very God, famous yes. a very famous headline uh, from the Ford International Weekly uh, called "The International Jew: colon, The World's Problem." Oh wow! <laughs> so he is not a great guy in a lot of ways. Oh, that's sort of like his famous like big headline. Cause that's that like one. so terrible. I can't even make any of the jokes that I would want to make if it were like, it's so bad. It's not it's like even not, funny. Bad. And the, the, the chapters are like exactly the type of things that people on like that, like the neo-Nazis on Twitter uh, talk about where they're like, how Jews always play the victim. <gasps> Like, you know, how Jews took over the world, how they are not American and like, you know, like all the dumb, like greatest hits. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, it's it's bad. I think there's also a problem. Um, uh, One of my my prior books was about treatment of diseases and it's and it's about heroes that fought them. Um, And when you read about doctors practicing from, I'm going to say like, 1900 to 1930, it is fucking impossible to find ones that are not at least enthusiastically interested in eugenics and what you can <laughs> do. Um, it uh, it felt like I kept going along and I would be like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah, they're, they're working with orphans and oh, shit, no, nope, they're sterilizing them. Nope, they're a eugenicist. Nope, gotta go away from this one. Alexander Graham Bell was a eugenicist. Everybody's a eugenicist in nineteen twenty. Yeah, They're all eugenicists. It's bad. Um, yeah. but they in all this watch world, the movie yes, they all more characters. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So in this world, we have the director of the um or is the director different from Henry? I couldn't figure that out. Yeah, I think Hen- Yeah, I think they're two different. Yeah. Oh yeah, Henry the director's the one who then leaves at the end. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So there's this guy named Henry. He's introduced. Uh we are introduced to this woman named Lenina who has lupus? That's super casually thrown in there. But yeah. Yeah. Say, Do you guys Which, say Lenina? I was saying Lenina. I was saying Lenina too. too. On the show, they say Lenina, but in the audiobook that I listened to make this bearable, uh, they said Lenina. So I've been oh. conditioned, that comes up later, to say Lenina. Yeah, I think it's considering it's, it's like Marx. It's after Lenin. 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 That like, makes sense. Yes. Okay. It's not exactly veiled. Yep. No, <laughs> yeah. it's not. No, yeah. it's very, very clearly stated. And I was oh. like, oh, okay, that's where we're at. So we meet Lenina or Lenina. However you want to say it is correct. She's not real and she sucks anyway. Not as bad as everybody else, oh. but she sucks. Jen, she doesn't she do sucks. anything she actively suck. wrong. She's she passive. doesn't do anything wrong. She's passive. She's no. just, look, she wants to get laid and travel and that's it. She's yeah. like she's like Daisy Buchanan in that she is just mm. the representation of the system. You know what no, I mean? Like I she, feel like Daisy is actively bad in a lot of ways. But when we do our Great Gatsby episode somebody. in the future, we will talk yes. about her. But so we meet Lenina or Lenina. We meet, um, we meet Henry and uh, we are realizing that this world is different from ours and that there's this conditioning that happens, this um, sort of hypno, what did they call it? Hypno something. Yeah, hypnopedic. Yeah, hypnopedia where it's basically like sleep training with sound where they tell you these platitudes um, and they enforce the caste system where it's like, well, I'm so glad that I'm not an epsilon. I would never want to play with those children. They wear khaki or the gammas wear khaki. I hate khaki. Yeah, khaki is so ugly. (laughs) They reinforce racism in your sleep. Yes, also a hatred of khaki, which feels unfair. Almost as unfair as the racism. Uh, Well, you know what? No one looks good in khaki, so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we all should khaki. Do you look good in khaki? 
<laughs> I think I look good in khaki. I look bad I, in khaki. I don't, I don't I really white, hope I do. White people white look bad in khaki. khaki. <laughs> Could you imagine you or me, Dana, in head to toe khaki? A nightmare. <laughs> I feel oh. like I feel like Laura Dern looks good in khaki. So yeah, that's she also looks good, looks good in everything. All right, yeah, she's so an outlier. She yeah, she is. No one can compare themselves to Laura Dern and feel like it was a fair comparison. This is so. just to say that I feel as if I had been uh, sleep told that khaki's bad because I don't think I look in khaki. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they have this <laughs> hypnopedic sleep training. And then we learn more about how there are distractions and everybody's supposed to be doing activities all the time and nobody's supposed to be alone. And we get to meet Franny, who's Lenina's friend. Uh, Franny, I think, is my favorite character because she's just like, she's like, if you just been having sex with Henry, you need to go do somebody else. Go have another (laughs) man. Also, I love your faux Moroccan Belts, like yeah. let's get some more. <laughs> ask, of that. ask Henry where he got it. She feels like Judy Greer would have played her if they had oh made this in two thousand three. So <laughs> yes. funny. Absolutely. So uh, we meet these characters. Nothing really happens more than just establishing characters, establishing the world, and this future world has no family structure. So mm-hmm. they very quickly establish that the idea of motherhood is extremely vulgar and the idea of being born instead of being decanted is like almost smut i think they refer to it as like pornographic and smutty and all this gross stuff and they're like oh these people don't know the difference between science and smut and the line where that exists so it's really hard for them to talk about it and um we also learned that everybody has sex kind of without any feeling attached no real relationships attached because if you make relationships then you're going to want to make families and uh there is this and or at least attachments not necessarily families in the like nuclear family structure but there are no real attachments and the goal is to have everyone and everyone belongs to everyone else except not really because everyone's straight which <laughs> was very yeah. funny to me i was like if everyone belongs to everyone else shouldn't everyone belong to everyone else? <laughs> and also the whole point is that they don't reproduce so like most yeah. of the yeah. women they mm-hmm. don't they like force sterilize but like not all of them you know for reasons that they explain but then it's like well why don't they just make everyone gay yeah that's your or at they, least, they like, you. let everyone experiment a little yeah. bit. At least I think people do queerness. experiment. They, they are having big orgies. orgies. They're having orgies with everybody. I think but the orgies, of- the orgies have meted out gender. So it's like six yeah. of one, six of the other. It does feel like the, I mean, obviously it was written in 1930. So there's a lot mm-hmm. that could have been updated. But it feels <laughs> like everything is so regimented. Like, everyone belongs to everyone else. If you're a boy and you're a girl and you're an alpha plus and you're an alpha plus. Like, it had to still has to all, like, fit in this totalitarian uh, regime. I do think that that's also important to start talking about the characters cast. So Lenina mm-hmm. is a beta minus in the book, but a beta plus on the show, which I was like, ooh. I think in the girl. book... I, I I noticed in the book I don't think they specified. Did oh, they? Yeah, they I did. She was. Oh. oh. Here, I'll find it. Keep talking. Because, Somebody else okay. talk. Because because I just sort of filled it in because she like made fun of gammas and so you're like she's not a gamma and we know she is. So I just sort of like you just sort of fill in the blanks of like I, all the ones she makes fun. I of. I was confused. I thought she was an alpha because she was having I did sex too. with alphas. No, I that's she was the a- thing. There's intercast sex. I don't think any women are alphas in the book. I think yeah. alphas oh, are only men in the book okay. and women Yikes. are. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like the, the professional women are betas. Betas. And they, have they, have, they have smaller heads, so they that's can't true. think as much. They can only love. Um I but they how, cannot like, do Elvis that. This is like so creative, <laughs> no, but can't. his creativity stops at that. Like it's yes. like, <laughs> let me build this entire new world, but nobody is queer and no, no. women are alphas. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as 1931. Gay far... people didn't exist yet. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh he's um, so right. Okay, so then we need our hero, Bernard oh. Marx, um, no, no who everybody hates. Um, <laughs> for good reason, it turns <laughs> out. Yeah, so sucks. it turns out, he like, sucks. for very, very good reason. Um, uh, despite the fact that everybody belongs to everybody else in this brave new world, nobody wants to belong to Bernard Marx because they all agree that he sucks. 
So he's slightly, he's an alpha plus, but he's slightly shorter than the other alpha pluses. And there is an ongoing and constant rumor that alcohol was spilled into his bottle when he was being decanted, which is such a shitty way to bully someone in yeah. this. Um, well, I think it's also important to note that future. the reason that is a rumor is because they do that to lower casts. Yeah, yes. But uh, yes, to make them. But isn't it funny that even in this dystopian future where everyone is constantly happy and distracted, there's still shitty guys. No, they figured out how to be shitty to one another immediately. Short guys still have to lie on Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) There is one point where it's like I heard that through a friend of a friend of a friend that it really the rumor is true. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she knew somebody who was in the room. Oh yeah, no, it's just total shit talking. So uh, this future of huge amounts of distraction and drugs and orgies has not made people stop being shitty to each other. Yeah. And it turns out that it's okay to bully Bernard because he does suck. So <laughs> They're just bullying him for the wrong reasons. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. because he has a yeah. shitty personality, uh, not yeah. because he's yeah. short. He has a really shitty personality, though. He has so the personality Bernard. of a guy named Bernard. Uh-huh. Well, yes. I also think... Um, yeah. Another thing I want to um, say, I'm still looking because I could have sworn it said she was a beta minus, but I could have been wrong. So Pro, Dana, I, I apologize. So carefully. I Thank apologize you so much. Yeah, to you I publicly. <laughs> Mike, you can cut that part out if you'd like. No, don't. <laughs> no. I love um, how vigilant you were. No, no, no. I meant the apology, not the uh, not the beta minus part. Oh, good. So the alphas are born one egg, one person. So each alpha is unique. And mm-hmm. every other cast is born out of this Bukhanization method. Bakanovsky? Bakanovsky. Yeah, that sounds right. It's named after, it's named after, I looked this up. He was basically, so basically this entire book was Aldous Huxley's like subtweet to the British political system. Mm-hmm. And he was a uh, French like, minister uh in, industrialist who like was an organizer in france and so he, that's what he was basing it off of mm-hmm. oh mm. so basically know. like all the names and everything is like are real people who are just like people that sort of embodied these like i'm putting in air quotes like ideals of like organization and empiricism so we have bernard and he has yes. a crush on lanina <laughs> uh so he has a crush on lanina that's very pneumatic which i think means busty um woman I think, who is i think very, it means like curvy, like, curvy. I, yeah. I looked at i feel like it's well, like it's like like marilyn monroe yeah. kind but of also nice. the yeah. chairs are pneumatic so but what i think the it's fuck? like fluffy like like a cushy chair yeah cushy yeah um so he has a crush on lenina she's very popular everybody likes lenina um, mm-hmm. She's been going out with Henry Foster for a while. It's starting to seem like they're monogamous. It's been a few months. She hasn't seen anybody else. So she feels like she should go out with somebody else. And Bernard offers to take her to a reservation where she'll get to see native people in their native habitat. And she thinks that would be interesting because her other offer is going off with Benito Hoover, who is very nice. And everybody likes him, but he took her to the North Pole and the hotel that they stayed at only had 25 squash courts. And also, he has weird ears. And he has weird oh, ears. Yeah. But he's, like, he's a really nice person. Everybody he's agrees. Nice. And he's Benito like is, really yeah, nice. Benito's, Benito's nice. cool, dude. Benito's yeah. the most redeemable person. <laughs> For sure. We all agree that Benito is a super nice guy. And uh, Lenina should have gone off with him. She goes on a date with Bernard. And uh, first of all, he complains about having to do anything, I guess. Um, I just want us to be alone. Yes, he just wants them to be alone in a park, which which is fine. But she wanted to go see a sporting match. Like, she came up with a lot of ideas of things that they could do. She was like, Relatable. why do activities have to exist? I, I don't know. She's trying to come up it's with a first date. It's a first date. Time. Like, it's it's a first date. No, you need something to talk cool about. Too. I yeah. play the hell out of all they those all, sports. Oh, my God. Yes. The, the electromagnetic fancy mini golf That is great. Yes. Yes. That is the, the yeah. least sinister part of this society is that, like, everyone <laughs> after work, like, goes to play, like, mini the golf. equivalent of, like, yeah. a dodgeball, like a dodgeball yeah. league. They go yeah. on helicopters. To, they get a little high and go play golf. That's great. I wish we had a society where after work, everyone, like, Joined an adult sports league. <laughs> um, yeah, it like, seems delightful. So Lenina, super cool. She takes him to a women's wrestling match. They just kind of offhandedly say that Bernard is horrible to all of her friends. <laughs> um, 
And Franny, who again is a wonderful character, is like, why would you go on another date with him? So that's nice. Like, people have some autonomy here. They don't have to belong to everyone else to the extent that they have to go out with people they don't like. And Lenina yeah. is very clear. I just want to go to the reservation. I think it'll be cool to see. Well, I'm just going to do with that. Also, he's one of few people because of his job and because of his position as an alpha who has permission to go to the reservation. So she can't even do it with somebody nice like Benito. It has to be with Bernard, which just feels like some guy's dream. Like some yeah. guy's dream is to be like, yeah. I can take you to Cuba I'm, and no yeah. one else can. It's, I'm it's the like only dating person. a rich boyfriend yeah. who's mm-hmm. like... Okay, I'll date him just until we take the trip to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? No one. No one. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, but before we go on to the reservation, which is, I think, going to be a topic, uh, I just want to talk about Bernard a little bit as a character. Mm-hmm. To me, it was very funny that the character that you read that you assume would be the hero and protagonist yeah. of this story, which in a different story, the alpha who's so smart, he sort of sees through the bullshit and he's a little bit shorter than everyone else. In another story, would be the hero. In 1984, in story, he would be the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he is. Like, and like in like one that would lead the revolution. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. in any like dystopian YA novel, it's always like the person who's like a little different, who people don't really mm-hmm. like. But in this one, Bernard is almost immediately revealed to be like a very petty asshole. <laughs> yes. He's yeah. insecure that he's short. And he's like a, a whiny little asshole. And he's also like a huge coward. Like later in the book, like huge any, coward. Huge, yeah. any moments of baby. like so Redemption. loyal to his nice yeah. friend, Hemholtz. Yeah. He, oh, Hemholtz he's like a jealous, really petty coward. In this book. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I found very funny, that Bernard is set up to be our first protagonist and then is revealed to be uh, just like a little crybaby. Zero yeah. for zero on protagonists here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, found, I found his arc to be very satisfying. Like, I, I was very much into him having like a crying, whiny end. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're listening to Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio, and we'll be back right after the break. Hey, fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that is guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Ooh, like a recent episode with Melissa Joan Hart. LL Cool J gave me some great advice. He had all these gold chains and I was like, wow, look at all these diamonds. And he said something to the effect of, don't waste your money on something like this. Buy a house. Like he gave me like solid investment advice where I was like, save my money. Got it. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about Indigenous women's disappearances. 
and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear, and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back with Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio. Shout out to Helmholtz, who is also the only other. He's great. Oh, yeah. Helmholtz, he's our hero. He's, he's our my hero. favorite character for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like, he's such a side character and it's just yeah. so interesting. It feels like that one episode of Master of None where we just follow the side characters. Like, I would love to just follow oh, yes. Helmholtz and figure yeah. out what his day to day is like. Because we only see him in relation to Bernard and then later in relation to John, who... I'm just going to call him his name because his nickname's not great. Nope. Yeah, Yeah, people got Uh, really excited about that. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is so weird. I really misread the opening of this book because I think I've read enough YA dystopian novels and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's going to be Lenin and Bernard Mm -hmm. and they're going to fall in love and they both are a little different. Like it was the hint to me of she wanted to be monogamous and I was like, oh, maybe she feels differently too. And she feels feelings of love and she's going to, and Bernard's going to be the one they're going to together enlighten everyone. Nope. That was absolutely not it. And neither of them are the protagonists and Lenina gets no conclusion, which really bothered me. Uh, she's just out there being dramatic. No, no, con- no conclusion, Melissa. She is beaten and left maybe alive or dead. Yeah. She's yeah. there with Henry Foster at the end, but he runs away because he's understandably pretty freaked out by the whole situation. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. is. I think this is the only situation I can remember, spoiler alert, jumping ahead, where a character is left for dead by the author, where he's like, <laughs> don't care anymore. <laughs> pay away. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's what I meant. And they like, don't, yeah. they don't, he doesn't call her out by name. Like, yeah, that was, was so a weird. choice as I was well. Like, is it supposed to be? Because to me, I wasn't sure if that was her. Because yeah. it also said she had blue eyes, which is different than purple. And they didn't call her by name, and he was in this rage. I feel like it was intentionally left, like, ambiguous, ambiguous but I don't know. We, we'll get there. Okay, but Hemholtz yeah. is great. Hemholtz is better than everybody else yeah. at everything. Hemholtz yeah. is he's, a poet, and he's a Hem- sensitive guy. Yeah. He just knows, he knows he'll never be as good as Shakespeare, but he wants to be. Also, yeah. he's so awesome that they changed his gender in the show. <laughs> they oh, did. Really? I thought that was really neat. Yeah, they made... Yes, it's um, it's a really cool choice. It's the woman who's in charge of making movies in the show. Felix? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's trying to do something new with them. But what can she do? She's my favorite character in the show, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Yeah. So um, we meet Bernard, and then they go on their fun, cool date to New Mexico to go explore a native reservation. Cool. And they keep referring to it as like the savage lands or something like that. Something equally terrible, but the focus is savage. And before they go, as previously mentioned, uh, Bernard needs specific permits and specific permission. So he goes to the director and is like, yo, can you sign my paperwork? And then he's like, you're going to see the savages? Oh my, when I was your age, I will say this and then I will finish my voices. When I was your age, I went to the reservation with a young girl and then she went missing. And then we're like, oh, that's weird that you don't (laughs) care. And then jump forward. Well, he does carry his nightmares about it. And then he covers it up by being like, it's not like we were a lover and I think it's fine. And also (laughs) it's just one person who cares. Like that's, he covers it like that. Yeah, Right. We're all part of one large social being and she's gone, but you know, that's life. Uh, yeah. So then we go to the reservation in Tian. You want to talk about the reservation? Uh, yeah. I read this late at night, so let's go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just instead of, we can yeah, sort just, of assume okay, that keep... people have read it. What were just your general impressions? Great. So they go to the reservation and like Lenina and Bernard are just blown away by the fact that people are aging and are not as fit as this their world and are like compliment like not complimenting oh my gosh remarking on their like hygiene and looks and bodies in a really gross terrible way um they are they witness like a very violent public ritual and they meet Bernard meets this woman Linda who turns out to be the lost woman from um 
the, 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 who the director was in love with. And we find out that she's had a son and that son is John. And we also learn about him that he, like, even though he spent his whole life on the reservation, he's kind of the outsider. Um, everyone treats him and his mother, which by the way, mother is a dirty word in this world, um, treats his mother, uh, like outsiders They're They mock them, they abuse them. Um, and one of the big things about John is that he's learned to read because his mother, or maybe the collection of Shakespeare was mm-hmm. in the, on the reservation. It wasn't, it wasn't his mom's, right? Or wasn't was it, it his lover, his mom's lover? It was his That's mother's right. lover. And yeah, lover. one of the big problems with his mom is that, uh, she wants to have sex with everyone because yeah. that was very normal in yeah. the world where she grew up and everybody hates her as yes. a result of that. Yeah, she's been she conditioned. Totally slut shamed for being constantly. Like, yeah. 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 Completely. There's a lot of slut shaming. There is. On. Yeah. So in a way where you're like, wait, Aldous, is this, are you in favor of this? What is your, <laughs> because right. I, I gotta say, I, I thought there was some wonderful comedy, even though it oh, is God. so much slut shaming and the, the reaction was poor, but just the funniness of like, I fucked all your husbands. Who cares? What is that? It's like, yeah. it feels like almost a sitcom of like, that's what we do. Do you want to fuck my husband? It's like, oh my God. Oh, silly Linda. She just doesn't get it. Wah, wah. But that's not how that happened. It was a lot of violence. I thought, I thought it was sort of funny. Um, and also sitcom not in a, in a haha way. Um, had the way that jumping ahead a little bit. John is like, oh, I love Lenina so much. I love her, but she's a harlot. Yeah, oh, oh, slut. I love strumpet. her so much, but yeah. strumpet. Okay, well, look, Lenina never gets to have good sex. I hope she got to have great sex with Benito Hoover and Henry Foster because when she first has sex with Bernard, he has sex with her. And then afterwards, she's like, oh, that was nice. And he was like, yeah, but I wish we hadn't had sex. Like, wouldn't yeah. that have been cooler? Could have brought that up before. <laughs> yeah, he's just so lame. And Bernard like, is, so like, is like the the guy you have sex with in college that you immediately are like, this was a mistake. Um, Who like you think because he thinks he's so smart, he's special, but yes, he's not. I and he's not even say. as smart as he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you just find out they, that, that smart, it's not smart, it's just being mean. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you learn the difference of quickly uh, at that age. Um, but poor Linda, kind of, Linda didn't. Poor Linda. She didn't do anything poor wrong. Linda. She's been conditioned a certain way. Poor she Linda really got it rough. Uh, so then I feel like the next major plot machination. I'm yeah. sort of then moving us forward so we can talk more big big picture themes. Is uh, Bernard in like his weird petty like selfishness, like really for purely selfish reasons, is like, whoa, won't it be a scandal and great for me and my social life and embarrass the director if I bring back Linda and John? Well, yeah, I mean, just he also knows that it, he, that he's going to. He hears that through Hem Helmholtz that he's going to be sent to Iceland, oh, and yeah. he's like, I'm going to get one over on the director and actually send him to Iceland, or you know, cast him off, and that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is such a quick hint of Bernard's weaselness that, like, ugh, what a he weasel. hates this world so much, but even when he gets like a ticket out. Which it later gets explained that maybe getting sent out of this world is like an okay is, thing is kind yeah. of like great that everyone maybe is the best to maybe the sent best to Iceland. Thing? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. That would be amazing. Uh, or and, even as we learn to one of the tropical islands. Yes. Yeah. Where it's just yeah. all the smart people who just want to hang out. <laughs> yeah. What a dream. Yeah. So he comes he and Lenina come back, but he like doesn't really care about Lenina anymore because he's famous because he brings back John. And uh, and everyone's fascinated by John and wants wants to. It's basically like being friends with Beyonce or something, where it's like, <laughs> oh, I can get you can meet Beyonce if you're friends with me. Like I, she's my roommate, and it's like, holy shit, your roommate is Beyonce. So everyone <laughs> wants to have sex with him because he's roommates with Beyonce. Um, and and so he's like having a lot of sex now with like but all even these sorry people. to interrupt yeah. even like less than it's like less than beyonce it's almost like the fiji water girl like a meme <laughs> for the moment because yes. as we learn that like like john's celebrity does like wayne and then by default like bernard's 
crash, as we'll learn. Mm-hmm. But like, he just is like the trend of the moment. People are like, ooh, what's it like? I think if John had played into the celebrity more and wanted to play the game yeah, more and been like, yeah, it. everybody can come see me, then it would have been different. I feel like it would have been closer to Beyonce as opposed to Fiji Water Girl, which <laughs> lovely throwback. <laughs> remember yeah. how we're talking about her? I remember her. She was in yeah. all the pictures. <laughs> And and also something that's important is that poor Linda also comes back and everyone is horrified oh by God. her. They call her they call her fat and disgusting. I think she's like forty five, um, and they're just horrified by regular normal aging. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is wants to be on a permanent soma holiday, which I don't think we've really touched on exactly what soma is, but it seems like just mm-hmm. an opiate. Some yeah. kind of like magical opiate um, where they just take a little bit to feel, take a half a gram a day to like <laughs> get your worries away or whatever. But then you can have a bunch and just it sounds like they're on heroin. They're like just yeah. injected themselves yeah. with heroin and are on <laughs> yeah. a holiday. Opium dens. Yeah, yeah. And so she goes on a permanent Soma holiday and is going to die because of it. Um But she's just so sad and miserable because she's been so cast away. She doesn't fit in either world. Mm -hmm. Um, And then John, at the same time, is starting to be very discouraged by this brave new world uh, with such people in it. And uh, (laughs) he's read all of Shakespeare. So he's like just (laughs) in his room reading Shakespeare a lot and really brooding uh and he doesn't want to go to a party with with uh with Bernard and Bernard then gets like completely cast out by all of the cool people I love Um, that scene because they are they are in Bernard's house talking trash about him oh yeah they're drinking his wine while they're talking about how he's deformed (laughs) And they're like, oh, I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend that it's super true that there was alcohol in his bottle before he was decanted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they are the most fair weather friends. I mean, they're not even, they're like, if the forecast changes, we're not even sticking around. Yeah. Uh, They just really, really hate him. Even in that section, too, I think he starts talking about essentially like the 1930s version of frenemies. I think mm-hmm. Aldous called yeah. it like victim friend or like friend victim or something, something <laughs> way more traumatic and traumatizing, which I yeah. thought was hilarious. Yeah. And then the, the archbishop songster, whatever, uh, d- d- takes home Lenina and she's like, all right, if I, she I like, guess. doesn't want to, but it's like, fine. She was disappointed, though, because Lenina is developing feelings for uh, John and John clearly has feelings for Lenina and but he doesn't know how to handle them and she doesn't know how to like operate with him because she's like, why doesn't he just have sex with me? I don't understand it. Like, he likes me sometimes, but he doesn't. And so they go on this one weird date. They go to a feely uh and a very racist feeling soup that that was yeah. racist. Yeah. i mean everything's racist he uses the word octoroon like eight yes. times yeah and i'm just like if you use the word octoroon and you're white i have a lot of questions and none of them are good i i have a a, a question about that word yes and not a, and a thing that i want to ask just because i genuinely don't know it was oh. it ever was it ever used like in a as a non-slur to just, like, in a legal setting? Like, was I it mean, ever yes. non-offensive? I mean, I think that it was used as a classification, much like the cla- the caste system that they have, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, you get a little bit more rights because you're a quadroon instead of a mulatto, and you get a little bit more if you're an octoroon instead of a quadroon. But it was because of rights and because they were like, if you're a little black... That's naughty. It's like that one drop rule. Mm -hmm. So even in its classification term as like terminology for just figuring out, okay, how much of a person are you? That's Mm -hmm. sort of where it was. Oh, oh, the word, the meaning is super racist. I'm mostly just just curious because I don't know that slur. I'm not very familiar Like whether it was always. There is a very funny Key and Peele sketch where they use it. Um, (laughs) But other than that, I don't think it's ever been used positively. (laughs) Good to know. Yes. You learned something new. And it was not a slur I was familiar with. It's uh, it's an old timey one. 
But it yeah, so like the feely, <laughs> the feely yeah. is uh, interesting. Oh, it is basically like uh, Birth of a Nation, but yes. futury. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sex, a but sex, decanting of a nation. That's like chasing <laughs> a white woman, right? And then yeah. the and then these three white male heroes come by in a helicopter, and I don't know. It's but like the, a the black man, the black man wants movie. her so much that he wants to have her exclusively for a weekend. Like, yeah, so that's oh, right. the crazy that's thing. The crazy that's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is that he gets hit on the head. He does all. Oh yeah, he got hit on the head, and he's in love with her now. <laughs> And uh, wants to be with only her for them to have an exclusive relationship. Fortunately, she is saved by, I guess, three men who immediately have sex with her. So um, it is an insane. (laughs) It ends with, yeah, it ends with an orgy as all happy. Orgy, orgy. Yeah, Yeah. as all good movies do end. (laughs) Group group sex. You know, I, I do feel like every movie should end with a, Dance number of the whole cast dancing and having fun. I, I show. will second that. that. I second that. Maybe in like, like a yeah. Mamma Mia, here we go like, again yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, like, like a version yeah. like Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog yeah. Millionaire. Yeah. Jai Ho. Yeah. Jai Ho. Okay. Um, but it's like that, but orgy, and I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like to show that the cast has fun together. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love that John <laughs> sees that, and his immediate thought was, oh, Othello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, yes, that's a Blackamoor. <laughs> Another word used in the book. John. Aldous, what are you doing? Um, I mean, points for variety, I guess. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but after the date, Lenina tries to make a move and she like zips off her little cute outfit and he's like, strumpet and runs away, <laughs> I think. And she's very sad about it and confused. She's just confused. She's like, yeah. what's happening? Let's just. Have sex already. Um, Her outfits do seem really cute. Oh, they, they seem adorable. Yeah, they I seem love adorable. the sound of all opening a set of She seems so. very fashionable, and it, I'm excited I, to see more of that in the show. I will say there are some things about this world that sound super fun. Like, the outfits seem very cute and mm-hmm. cool. And the scents that, that that's like the, yeah. the per, all the perfumes of different things. I'm like, that sounds great. Like the the like orchestras of smells. Yeah, sound yeah. Really yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, the feelings sound great. Like if you know, it's like 3D, but like all sensory. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. be down. I'd be into that. Yeah. Listen, and also, if soma is just alcohol without a hangover. I mean, I'd take half a gram. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be down yeah. too. Also, I will say I'm pro little mini personal helicopters. It's <laughs> really fun. I mean, what is the impact of that on the environment, though? Like, if they're electric helicopters, sure. Yeah, yeah. let's say yeah. in my yeah. fantasy yeah. there are electric helicopters. Yeah. And you go play some electric golf with your friends after work. Yeah. That's is electro fun. golf different from obstacle golf? That's my question. Oh, sorry. I think it was. Uh, it's obstacle golf. There are two. Golf. Obstacle no, golf. Just there's two. Both there's, of them. There's, there's electromagnetic golf and then yeah. there's obstacle golf. When, Definitely very Okay, different. I have a serious question. When was miniature golf invented? Because did someone read this book and say, obstacle golf, that's what we got to do? <gasps> oh, Shut oh up. my God. <laughs> wow. Okay, wait. <laughs> do you know that the high five, the high five was only invented in 1973? No, really? We went to the moon before people high fived. The what first did they do recorded- when they got to the moon? <laughs> okay, guys, it was Aldis. Yeah, Aldis borrowed from. Oh. oh, I was really hoping it was the other way around, but that's okay. That's very disappointing. Like almost yeah. as disappointing as this whole book. <laughs> That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dana Schwartz, and you can find me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. You can follow Jennifer Wright at Jen Ashley Wright. Karama Dankwa is at Karama Drama. Melissa Hunter is at Melissa FTW. And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to David Wasserman. Next week, we continue our discussion of Brave New World, the book, and then we will go into Brave New World, the series, which is an experience. So uh, pop a Soma and uh, get ready to listen. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. See you next week. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.